I'm excited about today. Let me help you. I'm going to kind of preach a New Year's type sermon today. Even though we're still in 2023, we're just about 12 hours and 37 minutes away from 2024. And I want to help you today. When I was a boy growing up, our backyard had five bear spots in it. Home plate, first, second, third, and the pitcher's mound. Uh, if you know what I mean, uh, you, you men know, Dad tried to grow grass in those spots every year. That was worthless. That was our ball field, and uh, no matter what he tried, he could not get grass to grow. The ground became so hard that even weeds wouldn't grow in those spots. I mean, we just, uh, you have to understand, I went through a baseball glove every year. Not because I wanted a new one, but I literally would wear them out. Uh, I was constantly playing baseball. Uh, I don't know how many cows died for the first, for the sake of me playing bowl, but it was half a herd, I'm sure. Uh, I would generally play on two or three ball teams a year. I pitched. I had machines that I would pitch into that would throw the ball back to me, and I would work by the hour every day of my life on throwing, even in snow. Uh, I just, I, I did a lot of baseball, and I loved it. But those bare spots became uh, what, what the Bible would call fallow ground. Hard pan. Some of you uh, West Virginians, you hear the term hard pan. That's where nothing grows. It's too hard for it to grow. And those spots became bare or unproductive. Listen to this. Because the same thing was being done so repetitively so much that it became unproductive. You see, I'm for routine, but sometimes we need to make sure that our routine does not cause us to become fallow, hard, unproductive. About my junior year of high school, I was 16, 17 years old, I didn't have as much time for sports. My dad said, here's my opportunity. So early in the spring, he handed me a shovel and said, let's go outside. I thought, uh-oh, i got to dig my own grave. Here we go. <laughs> he said, I want you to take these five bare spots, and I want you to dig down about a foot. Okay. I dug all that dirt out of there, crowbar, you name it. I mean, it was hard. We finally got it all out of there, and... We threw that dirt in the garden, and if you know anything about my dad's garden dirt, I pity the fools that took that house after my dad left and didn't plant a garden there if they put grass there. They mow grass every other day. But uh, my dad's dirt in the garden was just unbelievably rich, and he said, now, go get dirt out of the garden and put back in there. And I filled about a foot worth of dirt in there and packed it down, and then he planted grass seed on top of it. And he said, now, if you touch that before it comes up, I'm going to kill you. I said, okay. And it was amazing. It was the first year I'd ever seen grass in the whole backyard. We didn't have five spots and slide marks at second base. Amen. 
uh, and uh, we we broke it up, but we literally had to take that hard dirt and get rid of it. You couldn't just break it up. You had to get rid of it because it was so unproductive. As we approach the new year, maybe we should look at our lives and see what fallow ground we have in our life. Wonder what areas we have that are unproductive and have been year after year after year. I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste my life. I don't. Um, I realize I've got more years behind me than I have ahead of me. That does not scare me. But I'm not a person that at 56 years old says, okay, in nine years I can retire. Shoot, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to retread. I have no plans of retiring. And even if there comes a day where I can't pastor this church, I'm going to preach as long as I can preach. They might have to push me up in a wheelchair, but I'm going to give it all I got. I get to the point where I can't preach. I still want to go soul winning. Somebody might have to push my wheelchair and change my diaper, but I'm still going to do it. Uh, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I just don't want to waste my life. I'll make a statement here. I don't want to just gather things and gather experience and call that life. I don't. I want to live in such a way that I'm investing in life after I'm gone. I want to invest in eternity. I was holding my grandson. It was just him and I for a little while. He's 10 months old and he's about like a 18 pound worm. <laughs> Strong as a horse. But I, I was having a, having a talk with him. And I got him in my face and I said, buddy. Papa's not going to get to spend as much time with you as he'd like to. You live far away and so do I. I said, I'm, I'm sorry for that. But your Papa's been preaching for 43 years and he's doing everything he can to keep this country going for God so that you have a place to grow up in that's worth growing up in. If that means... Sacrifice in time. I'll do it. I want your children to have a church that's the right kind of church. He brings those four beautiful kids in and little Savannah, she just lights up the house. I think, God, could you give me enough gas in the tank to keep her going? That's all I ask. My life is not about me. It's about what can I do for others and keep this country going. What can I do for the next generation? I want to get the hard spots, the fallow ground, out of my life so that I can make my life count as much as possible. I really do. I want my life to count for this church. I want my life to count for 
my family. I want my life to count for Berkeley and Jefferson County. I do. I'd like to be a productive person. And when I die, I'd like Berkeley and Jefferson County to be better than they were just because I was here. I mean that. But above all else, Harry, when I get there, I hope my God can look at me and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I do. Brother Jim, I'd like my life to count. I really would. Say, that's selfish, so be it. But it's not about me. It's about your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren. You see, I may not be able to change the world, but I want to change as much of my world as I can. I may not make an impact worldwide, though God's given my wife and I some pretty big impact around the country and around our world. God's allowed me to preach in 34 different states, and I worked in Bible colleges and trained young people who were out building churches all around the world right now. I realize I'm a nobody, but God specializes in using nobodies. I don't know about you, but Brother Steve, when I get to heaven, I don't want God to say, you know, I could have done a whole lot more if you'd just let me plow up that fallow ground right there. He had a spot there that you just wouldn't give in on. I'd hate to think God would think that way. I really would. So let's see what God has to say about breaking up the fallow ground. Number one, God tells us in verse number 12, I want you to look at it. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. That means, the word righteous means full of right, full of truth, full of goodness. And God says, by the way, the word sow there means you're planting. It doesn't mean do good for yourself. It means take good and use good in your life. In other words, be planting truth and be planting goodness everywhere you go. God said we're supposed to be planting goodness everywhere we go. Last Sunday, I rushed out of here to get to the airport. By the way, our prayers worked. I got there. There wasn't one person in line at TSA. That has never happened to me unless they had the terminal shut down. I got there. I walked right up, put my ID in. She said, okay, there you go. I got half undressed, went through security, got redressed, and got my, my gate was four doors down on the right-hand side, out of the side of TSA. I even had time to grab a quick bite to eat before my flight took off because it was delayed 40 minutes. And God's good. Now, wait a minute. But while I was there, I stand there reading a book. And a lady walked up. She said, you mean there's people that actually read books? I said, yes, ma'am, and it's not electronic either. 
She was a lady about four, five, six years younger than I. We struck up a conversation and found out she was going back and her dad, the lady was about 50, her dad was getting remarried. His mother, her mom passed away and her dad was going to get remarried and she didn't know how she felt about it. And I, I said, well, ma'am, I'm a pastor. She said, oh. I said, I could help you if you want, but you might not want my help. She said, no, I'd like to hear what you had to say. I started talking. She said, you're right. I didn't want to hear that. She said, I wanted to, I wanted to gravel a little longer. I said, are you happy for your dad? She said, I am. I said, that lady that he's about to marry is not going to be your mom. She's not going to try to be. I said, but maybe you ought to be happy for them. The phone rang and it was her dad. She said, Dad, you're not going to believe this, but I'm standing here at the airport and God put me next to a pastor to tell me I ought to be happy for you. <laughs> he said, really? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> he said, thanks, pastor. <laughs> I was laughing. I'm sorry. I thought it was funny. I wish you knew how much fun it is to help people. Even people you don't know. Can I tell you something? That's called sowing righteousness. Gave her a gospel track. Gave her the gospel. She didn't get saved. She's Church of Christ, but she was thinking on it. She said, you know, my daddy's been telling me some of these things. I said, well, it's time to listen to your daddy now. I got on the plane and talked to the stewardess a bit and we chuckled a bit. The, the pilot was ready to get home for Christmas. I'd never been on a plane that was so fast on the ground, but it was <laughs> through all the curve, on the ground. I'm, and I looked at the stewardess, I said, boy, he must be going home. He's ready to see Santa Claus or somebody. I said, and she, we all were laughing. You know, when you turn that last turn and get to the runway that you're going to take off, they usually stop and wait. Not him. We were doing 40 miles an hour before we got there. He turned the corner and gunned it. <laughs> Boom! I'd never taken off from that part of the runway before, but we were only halfway down when we were up in the air. It was great. I started chuckling, and before I left the airplane, I'd given out probably eight or ten gospel tracks. Can I tell you something? It sure is a fun way to live. When you're not so much concerned about yourself as you are doing right and doing good. You see, righteousness is the doing of right in every situation. It's not how you see right, it is the doing of right. We would use words like having good character. Good character is in doses and that buck walks by and you let him walk. As hard as it is. Amen, Brother Larry. <laughs> uh, good ethics. That means treating people the right way even if they don't treat you right. Do you know there are certain things that we're supposed to do right because it's right, not because we want to? I try to be ethical with people. I try to be ethical in business. I try to be ethical with uh, other churches and other pastors. Now, they're not always ethical with me. But I try to be ethical with them. 
I try to have good character because it's the right thing to do, not because it's what I want to do. You know, that you say, well, how do you do that? It's real simple. I can wind it down into one statement. You do what God said instead of doing what you want to do. It's real simple. When I get to a point where I wonder what I should do, I say, God, what do you want me to do? And But I don't want to do that. He said, well, you asked me, I told you. Okay, I'll do what you want. So you don't always agree with God? No, do you? But I always let him win. Say why? Because I found out when he's, he's always right and I'm not. I would make a very bad God, no comments. <laughs> Matter of fact, God says that uh, we're to sow, which involves, that's like sowing seed. Not sowing like needle and thread or yarn. That means we live by the principles of the word of God at all times. Matter of fact, in one of the parables, God says that the seed is the word of God. And we are to sow the seeds of righteousness. Did you know if we would live this book better, life would be a whole lot better? I'm make a statement here that might shock some of you. The problem today in America is not the White House, it's the church house. Problem is, preachers quit preaching righteousness and started preaching uh, societal acceptance. People started becoming politically correct and biblically incorrect. People started wanting to please everybody instead of pleasing God. Uh, I don't mean this unkindly, but I don't give a rip about pleasing you. I want to please him. I want you to enjoy pleasing him. And if that offends you, so be it. You know, you throw a rock in a pack of dogs, and one it yelps is the one you hit. Amen? You see, we, we, we have preachers who are more concerned about uh, their popularity than pleasing God. Well, I'm not worried about my popularity. I've seen popularity, and it's not all it's cracked up to be. Can I tell you something? I'd rather uh, be popular with God than popular with man. I'm not going to cowtail to the sodomite crowd. That's the alphabet soup crowd, the, the rainbow people, the they don't know what they are people. Folks, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. It's not real hard. Two bulls don't make a cow. Everybody doing okay? Two roosters don't have eggs. Hello. If barnyard animals have, it's a shame barnyard animals have more sense than people do. People are the only ones stupid enough to think that they're right. You see, I'd rather live by what the Word of God says than live by what the... Well, you just need to live it up a little, preacher. No, what they live is death. What God says is life. I was. My mama's been gone for three years. I saw Brother James come in this morning. It'll be two years tomorrow that Miss Lily went to heaven. I was thinking about him early this morning. And I, I know it's sensitive, but he and I were talking for just a moment. And he said, Preacher, that book on death, that's what got me through this thing. And he said, I'm doing real good. I said, I know. I said, if we just realize they're a whole lot better off than we are. I hear people sometimes say, well, I woke up on this side of the dirt. I can't wake up, can't wait till I wake up on the other side of the dirt. I don't know about you, but this side's okay. But the other side's a whole lot better than this side. 
You say, why? Because when you sow righteousness, you're sowing the word of God. And folks, we ought to live what this Bible says. Not just know what it says, live what it says. There's a lot of people out there that know a lot of Bible, but they don't do a lot of Bible. Did you know we're not supposed to decide what right and wrong is? God is. Everybody doing okay? Are you all out there? Somebody say amen. Okay, there we go. Uh, Did you know that God told us in the Bible what right and wrong was? I'm, I'm for every person here. And by the way, we're all sinners. Including the guy talking to you right now. And the guy that wore this crazy coat last week. Uh, And I I get that. Uh, We're all sinners. There's none of us that are perfect. But can I tell you something? We're supposed to do what this book says no matter whether we're perfect or not. Church isn't a place for perfect people. It's a place for broken people. This is not a museum. This is a hospital. You don't go to the hospital because you're feeling great. That's dumb. You go because you're sick. Or you hurt yourself lifting weights. Uh, (laughs) Trying to beat your big brother, amen? Doesn't work, I'm telling you. This is how you get wisdom, son. This is how you get wisdom, amen? Now, wait a minute. We're, we're, We're supposed to do what the Bible says, and we're not supposed to decide what's right and wrong. Let's let this book tell us what's right and wrong. Well, all love is love. That's a lie out of hell. They don't know love if it slapped them upside the head. They're saying all lust is lust. You're guilty of being your own God deciding good and evil for yourself. God says we're to sow righteousness. Did you know that the word sow means action? You know, if you go to the store and buy grass seed and put it in your garage... Or in your shed, it's not going to grow. You have to take it out. You've got to get the soil ready, put it in the soil, and you have to do some work to get it to grow. That's exactly what God says. It takes work. It's not just having the not, well, I know what to do, but if it's still sitting in the shed, it's not going to do anything. We have church houses filled today with people getting their notebooks and their Bibles and their heads filled with knowledge, but they're going to go out and do nothing with it, and the seed will sit in the barn doing nothing. We're to live it. God does not care how much you know. He knows how much you live. You know, you don't impress God with how much you know. (laughs) Did you know you don't know as much as he knows? So you're not going to impress God with how much you know. But he does know how much of it you're living. By the way, this is doing right because it's right to do, not just because somebody's watching. You know, we're supposed to live right whether somebody's watching or not. So much I want to say. You can never produce... If you don't go out and sow the seed. You can never produce if you have no action. Did you ever meet those people that are very successful in their own head (laughs) and they've never done anything? 
Oh, they know how to do everything, but they've never done anything. I know a few people like that, and it's like, <laughs> don't even start talking to me. So, God says we're to sow righteousness. Next, God says, I want you to notice a word in here. God says, sow to yourselves in righteousness. Break up your fallow ground. He didn't just say break up fallow ground. He said break up your fallow ground. Did you know God made it very personal? Did you know I can't worry about Brother Scott's life? I have to worry about mine. I don't have to concern myself with his sin because there's so much of it. I have to worry about my fallow ground. God says, so to yourself. And he said, so uh, break up your fallow ground. Did you know God's talking to you right now? While this preacher's been preaching, I may have said something. And God's talking to you about something totally different, but it's on the same path. It's a bare spot in your life. It's hard pan in your life. You see, we're not to look at somebody else's spots. We got enough of our own to take care of things. You see, uh, let's, let's put it in terms we understand. Don't worry about somebody else's backyard when you got spots in your own. God tells us how to break it up. Look at verse number 13. You have plowed in wickedness. God says he wants us to break up the wickedness. Uh, okay, everybody look at me for a second. Uh, what's in our life that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing that's against God's word? I know there's, there, preachers don't preach on this anymore, but the smoking, the drinking, the, the, the cussing, the bad entertainment. Preacher, I can't believe you said that. Well, I didn't. God did. I'm just, I'm just the delivery boy. Don't get mad at me. But I wonder how much more we could do if we'd get rid of some of the wickedness in our life. <laughs> I wonder how much time is wasted on wickedness. Entertainment on tel television that no Christian should watch. There is so much Satanism involved in, in entertainment today. I'm not saying everything out there is that way, uh, but I'm here to shout. Uh, I was somewhere in the last couple weeks to where they were for just long enough to endure it to go out and vomit just about, but somebody had one of the Marvel, com or Marvel movies on. I could take about five or ten minutes of that, and it's filled with nothing but demonism. Satanism. Yes, Every last bit of it. Amen. A child of God has no business watching that garbage. Amen. I saw enough of it to know it's nothing but, and I've been around demon-possessed people. That's all that is. Oh, it's fun, preacher. Yeah, the devil's got you hoodwinked, and it's time to break up some fallow ground, and I'm plowing through the wickedness. Amen. Notice it said plow up 
your fallow ground. Now we have to work around wicked people. Believe me, I have to work around a bunch of them. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> Can I tell you something? We have to work in it. Why do we want to play in it when we get home? God also says, don't eat the fruit of lies. Look at verse 13. You have plowed in wickedness and reaped in iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies. Notice it didn't say you've eaten the lies. You ate the fruit of the lies. Hang on tight. As Brother Jim said yesterday, pull up your, pull up your pant legs because your toes are going to hurt. Amen. That means this, we have eaten the fruit of lies way too long. Modern religion has lied way too much. Oh, you can get to heaven whatever way you want. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I was coming back from church Wednesday night with my wife's uncle and her aunt in a separate car because we didn't have one car big enough for all of us. And he grew up Catholic and was an altar boy. Got saved at one of the funerals I did for the family years ago. He's still Catholic, but he said, you know, y'all's churches are different. (laughs) And I said, yeah, it's real. He said, I can't believe the Pope's allowing these, these queers, and that was the word he used, I didn't. I use the word sodomites. He uses other words I cannot say in public. He said, I'm starting to doubt my own faith. I said, Jacob, stop right there. I said, let me tell you the difference. I said, you've known me for 34 years. He said, yeah. I said, if I changed one thing, he said, that's what's different. I said, you're right. My church hasn't changed either. I said, we don't meet every three to five years to decide what we're going to change. And then we don't have a pope that gets up and says, well, you can change this and bless these people and bless that people. I said, it's either in the Bible or it's not. I said, everybody's playing religion and that's sending people to hell. He said, you know, Craig, you got a point there. I said, I know it's not just the one on top of my head either. And we had a good heart-to-heart talk about it. He said, I'm seeing the product. He said, I look around at your church and Mindy's church, and he said, the people are different. They're, They're kind. They're dressed right. They do right. He said, I've been to Mass, and sometimes those people are like walking out of a bar, and they're all drunk. I said, yeah, including the guy supposed to be having the Mass. He said, well, you got a point there. Eating the fruit of lies. I'm talking about modern public education is nothing but eating the fruit of lies. The news media. Folks, do yourself a favor. Quit watching the news. Quit following it so close. All it is is the fruit of lies. Don't get so wound up about the news. God told us in the last days perilous times should come. And God told us exactly what was going to happen. Don't get so disillusioned at the news. It's just the fruit of lies. Social media is nothing but the fruit of lies. 
the political, social, gender correctness is nothing but the fruit of lies. He said, well, preacher, you're not real politically correct. Thank you very much. (laughs) Then God says, not only should we plow wickedness, not eat the fruit of lies, but he said, thou didst trust in thy way. The plow is about to hit your spot. We're to trust God's ways, not our ways. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 say that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. And we cannot think like God. Brother Kevin, I wouldn't want a God I could figure out. Because that means I'm greater than he is. I just don't understand everything about God. Good, then you got the right one. Why do you think you have to understand him to obey him? When I was a child, my dad said, son, go do that. I didn't say, well, I don't understand. Son, take the trash out. It's 100 degrees. Trash man's coming tomorrow. Well, dad, I don't understand why. He'd say, okay, I can help you understand. Either you take it out now or I whip you and you take it out. But either way, you take it out. With or without the whipping, I decided without was much easier. Did I understand why I had to take it out? No, but guess what? I have to take the trash out every week now. Hmm, everybody see the correlation there? Did I understand then why? No, was I going to? No, but I understand now. You see, (laughs) we want it to be our way. Well, God says he wants it his way. He's God. And his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. Why do we struggle doing it God's way? Well, it just doesn't make sense to me. Quit playing God. It's real simple. Just because it's the way you've done it all along doesn't make it right. Well, I learned in my church, well, sometimes what you learned 40, 50 years ago wasn't right. Well, it was good then. It may have gotten to where you are, but it may not be exactly what God wants. Everybody doing all right? I'm going to make a statement here. Did you know you can't improve on God? So why do we try to improve on God? I was, I think it was Brother Barnes and I, we were making a visit last week and we were talking about the church and the lady said, do you all sing the old songs? I said, sure do. Matter of fact, we have song books and we don't have screens that follow the bouncy ball. Somebody was telling me about a church that they went to and they had all the new music and then they started singing a song. And they thought, man, they finally sang one I could sing. What can wash away my sin? And they sang nothing but the love of Jesus. No, it's nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, it's just a bloody religion. Bless God, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Yes, it's a bloody religion. It's not religion. It's a blood sacrifice to give us eternal life. This one's going to hurt. 
we trust him enough to save us for eternity, then why don't we trust him enough to live our life here the way he wants? You'll trust him enough in what he says to take you to heaven, but you won't trust him enough to live the way he says while you're here? What's wrong? It's not him. Well, I can tell you why, because the rest of verse 13. For thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. We want to follow what the crowd says. We want to be popular with everybody. Folks, did you know if you straddle the fence long enough, you're going to split your bridges? You can't live on both sides of the fence and be happy? That's the nicest way I know how to say that. And I've learned after 56 years, usually what the crowd wants, I want the opposite. And I'm going to be pretty close to being right. Did you know only eight got on the ark in the book of Genesis? Did you know that only four didn't eat of the king's meat in Daniel chapter 1? Did you realize it was the crowd that cried crucify Crucify our Savior. By the way, the religious crowd. Then why do we think that the crowd's always right? Everybody doing okay? Break up your fallow ground. Not mine. Not somebody else's. Quit looking at everybody else's bare spots. Look in your own backyard. Find out what needs dug up in your yard. Lastly, God says this, and I love this. He says, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Did you know seeking is action? Did you know God's not the genie in the bottle? You rub the bottle and a genie pops out and says, let me give you all that you want. No. God's not like FDR and believes in welfare. I said it. Hang on, I can say a whole lot more. God says if man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. I could solve all the welfare problems in America. You don't work, you don't eat. Did you know that people would then go get a job? You'll get hungry enough, you'll eat, you'll work. That means this. I believe we ought to be in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night church, as often as we can. Amen. Say why? That's seeking the Lord. Right. Seeking to learn. Amen. Seeking to do find things in the Word of God. That's not the only time that you ought to read the Bible, but those are times that we've set aside for God to work in our heart and our life to learn from somebody that's been down the road a little farther. Maybe in 2024 we could up what we do for the Lord. That means this. I believe that everybody ought to join a church. Independent, fundamental, Baptist church. Say, you think Baptists are the only ones that's right? Well, I happen to know this. The Catholic church didn't start until 330 AD. Just so you know. Under Constantine. It was a government-run church. And I happen to know that Jesus started the church. 
He looked at Peter in Matthew chapter 16 and said, Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, that's talking about Peter. His name is Petra. Yeah, the word Petra means pebble. It means tiny little, you know, like one of those things you get in your shoe that is annoying. That's what Peter was. <laughs> Jesus said, but upon this rock, Jesus is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. Now watch this. Who baptized Jesus into the church? A man named John the what? That wasn't his last name. Well, we have to have the apostolic succession. No, they went, they went to the wrong place. How about we have the Jesus succession? Are we doing okay? Man, I'm having fun right now. I miss preaching Wednesday night. <laughs> Say, why do we need a church? Because Jesus founded it and said you should be a part of it. I believe everybody should be a part of it. And if you're a part of it, you ought to get active in your church. Be a greeter. Work in the nursery. Help clean the buildings. Help with the grounds a little bit. Help in Sunday school. Be at men's prayer breakfast. Be at the ladies' meetings. Get involved in your church. Don't just sit there doing nothing, but come sit there, do nothing if that's all you can do. But I think we all ought to grow and seek the Lord to do a little bit more, don't you? I'm not going to have a year-long campaign, but I am going to say something here. How about in 2024? Listen to me, Grace Baptist Church. How about if 2024, that each family in this room today reach one family? If each family would reach one family in 2024, we're knocking this wall down. Because it would fill this room to capacity and then some. If every family would just reach one family. So, well, I'm only one. You can reach one. If everybody in this room reached one person, we just doubled our crowd. Everybody doing okay? How about each family reach one family, not just reach them to come to church. But you teach them and bring them and teach them to do what you're doing. And get them involved. I'd like to see every Sunday school teacher reach a family and teach them to be an assistant teacher or a Sunday school teacher. Because as we start adding people, we need more helpers. Everybody that works in the nursery, reach somebody that can help work in the nursery. Everybody doing okay? That sure will help my wife out. And all you ladies, God bless you, working in the nursery. By the way, we have a great nursery. It's run right. It's sanitized before every service. It's cleaner than anybody's house in here, I promise you. It's done right. It's done by people that know what they're doing. Can I tell you something? It's important. Young families need it. As his class grows, it's going to grow. And it's, it's a necessary thing. Moms and dads need to hear the gospel and hear the preaching of the word of God. And those babies need care for in ways that you can't care for them in here with a loudmouth Baptist preacher yelling. Amen. That's right. At least I admit it. How about each family reach a family in 2024? Let me help you with something. If your children are of school age, you ought to get them into Grace Baptist Church School. 
They need that influence. Let me ask you a question. What fallow ground do you have in your life today? What's that hard spot that you won't give in on? Maybe it's some sin or some wickedness. Maybe it's just stubbornness. Maybe it's your, <laughs> your anger. I don't know what God was talking to you about. But I do know this. We all have hard spots. Amen. They're unproductive. Aren't you tired of being on the hamster wheel? Doing the same thing over and over and over and over. Seems like every year you come around, I'm going to do it, and the next year's same thing. Can I tell you why? Because you haven't plowed up the fallow ground. You just threw seed down and it didn't grow. And you kept in the same routine, causing the same rut. Well, Brother Roloff used to say, a rut's nothing but a grave with both ends kicked out. <laughs> Pretty close. Pretty close. Can I tell you something? God said, break up your fallow ground. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this place to do it. Amen. Nobody's going to laugh at you. They're going to rejoice with you. Amen. If you've been saved and never baptized, we can take care of it today. But it doesn't get you to heaven. You can get baptized in every pond or creek till you know every tadpole by name and die and go to hell. Yes, Baptism is only a picture, just like my wedding ring is a picture, of me being married. I can take it off and still be married. Thief on the cross got saved and didn't get baptized. Jesus said, this day shalt thou be with me in paradise. So it's not a matter of going to heaven. It's because you did get saved that we should do it. Maybe there's somebody here. You need to join the church. If you've been saved and baptized by immersion, join the church. Get involved. Let's all decide we're going to reach somebody. But this altar should be full today with decisions and with people changing their life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. What fallow ground do you have? What hardness is there? You say, preacher, if I died today, I'm 100% sure I'd go to heaven. I know that. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. You may put your hands down. Who'd say, preacher, if I died today, I don't know that for sure, but I'd like to know it. Would you raise your hand? All right. Who'd say, preacher, somewhere in that sermon, something I personally needed today. Would you raise your hand? Oh, my soul.